This episode of Grilled is sponsored by Rationale, your leading provider in multifunctional hot food preparation equipment. Register now for a free Rationale live demo at www.rationale-online.com. Thanks for downloading Grilled by the Staff Canteen. I'm Cara, editor of the Staff Canteen, and in this episode, our deputy editor, Tani, talks to David Bush, the head chef at the Honourable Society of Lincoln's Inn. Born and bred in Essex, David started his career working at a hotel in Brentwood, the Mary Green Manor, and while he trained at college for another four years afterwards. During that time, it progressed from 1AA Rosette to 5, but sensing that his team members all wanted to go their separate ways, he accepted a friend's recommendation and successfully applied for a position at the House of Commons. There, he found a good work-life balance and more opportunity for progression than in his previous role. An annual Awards of Excellence graduate, an MCA finalist, the winner of the London Chef of the Year, Craft Guild Chef of the Year and gold medalist at Hotel Olympia, he now wants to pass the mantle and train younger chefs to take part in competitions of their own. Hi everyone, today we are in London at the Honourable Society of Lincoln's Inn with Chef David Bush. Hi David, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. So we're here almost in celebration in a way of a uh, big, a uh, lot of renovation work that's gone on here over the past few years, close to 30 million investment, you were telling me. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the operation and the, uh, the changes that have been made? So um, the kitchen was a great kitchen beforehand. We needed to do some works for the foundation of the kitchen, so they decided, because they had to rip out the kitchen, everything would be non-avoidable to guarantee, so they refit us the brand new kitchen. Obviously, now with all the energy stamps and everything, everything needs to be more environmentally friendly, so we've just kitted out the whole kitchen now with electric and got rid of all the gas and all energy-saving equipment. So we've got brand new MKN ovens, MKN brat pans, which are great bit of kit to use really mm-hmm. you've got a massive operation here can you tell us all, all of the different components of what what you do here um so yeah the place itself is massive we do 130 staff every day we feed that's monday to friday um we do a service for lunch for barristers and people that belong to the inn and that can be anything from 20 covers to 160 covers and then yeah we sell it privately so we can do jobs for 20 people all the way up to 200 is our biggest number in the old hall, uh, Great Hall. And then obviously we've got the Old Hall, Great Hall, Old Courtroom, MCR. Um, we do garden parties on the lawn as well. So with all the venues open, we can be doing up to 1,000 covers easy. What massive. And you, so you oversee a core team of chefs and then anything else you, you outsource as, as you go, depending on how busy you are, right? Yeah, we've got a great team of um, 17 core chefs that look after the sort of the Monday to Friday business. They'll take on most of the overtime with all the private jobs. And then, yeah, if we're, I think it's next Thursday, we've got three halls all being sold at the same time. So we'll have a core team on with a few agency staff to help us. Massive. Um, and with that, have you still got like a good, um, like a good synergy and a good sort of atmosphere amongst yourselves in the, in the kitchen team? Yeah, I mean, everyone gets on really well. Obviously, everyone has their bad days and good days. We're just like one big family. But, yeah, everyone gets on well, and it's a great team to work with. Great. Okay, so uh, I want to ask you a little bit about yourself. Uh, you were born and bred in Essex, and you started working in hotels in Brentwood when you were training. How did you make that leap from there to where you used to work, which is the, the House of Commons? Um, well, I think it was three factors, really. I mean, basically when I was at college, I went for work experience at a local hotel, and that was Mary Green Manor. Mm-hmm. When I went for work experience, they sort of said, do I want work, work part-time? So started part-time. As soon as I finished college, they wanted me to stay on. I stayed there for about four years. 
And in that time, we'd gone from a one rosette up to a five rosette, I think it was, by the time I left. But the sort of team was all talking about going separate ways. Um, it was working split shifts, so start at nine, finish at three, go home, come back at six, finish at 11 o'clock at night. If you wanted overtime, obviously that was one of your days off. So I was only getting one day off a week. And at that time, I was thinking, well, the team's splitting up. I'm not really learning anymore. So I sort of thought, well, where could I go? One of my friends was at the House of Commons at the time from college. He told me the hours they were doing, so I thought, well, I'll do that. Better life, work-life balance and more progression, really. You wouldn't think that the House of Commons would be a a cushy job. It's not a cushy (laughs) job. It had its moments, but they really looked after their staff. I mean, you've got a great pension. I think it was 52 days off a year we was getting a year. Um, that was Monday to Friday. And inside House of Commons, there was like 13 different kitchens you could work in. Yeah. So I was there for probably 12 years. But in that 12 years, if you move to the kitchen, it's like starting a new job, new policies, new people to work with. So, yeah, I was there for quite a while. Yeah. You must have seen some, well, some interesting things in your time there. What was it like, you know, feeding MPs and people that oversee Parliament in the UK? It was a very interesting place to work. I'd sort of, it took me 12 years to get the itch to think to move on. But yeah, during my time there, it was crazy. Like, you could, like I said, there was 13, 12 different areas you could work in. Obviously, one of them was a banking. You had your cafeteria jobs. You had your fine dining restaurants. You had restaurants just looking after the MPs. You had your banking sections. Obviously, a place of that side, we had our own in-house butchery department. So you could go down there and learn all your butchery. And, yeah, the things you used to see, I was there when the Queen Mum died. Right. So, you know, you've been mad. It's mad because you're part of history. So, you know, we'd go home on the weekend. Everyone got recalled. We would have to look after all the people that were building all the staging, all the pro, like, protocol that went with that. You know, all the training of the guards when they're coming in and doing all the marching. And it's quite a weird place because once you've got your security clearance, you could just walk down the corridors and you're walking past all the MPs and royals and whoever's in the palace at the time that's crazy and to be a, at the heart of british politics i think for a lot of chefs it's it's quite hard to keep track of current affairs because you're so immersed so it must have been interesting to be both of those things yeah for me i mean i worked in the fine dining restaurant for a long time and the members and strangers were looked after just virtually the mps and every wednesday we would have to be a roast dinner for the mps after prime minister's question time <laughs> but while you're setting up you're watching them two minutes down on the road <laughs> doing their Prime Minister's question time. So <laughs> you kept up to date quite well. Huh. Did you ever get any really strange requests from MPs? I got a lot of strange <laughs> requests, but sometimes it wouldn't even be the MPs that would tell you. It would be their secretaries and yeah. other people that would come and grab you in the corridor and just say, like, a certain MP doesn't like cabbage on a Wednesday, <laughs> so you'd have to change. <laughs> so uh, settle the debate. Does Boris Johnson eat um, fish fillets or f- fish fingers? Unfortunately, I'd left by that time, so I can't spill any beans on that. (laughs) And what does Mr John Burke like for lunch? John Burke would look after himself, really, because the Speaker of the House has their own private little catering department as well. And, yeah, they would just go and look after themselves. So you weren't good enough to cook for the Speaker? No, not good enough to cook for the Speaker, (laughs) but there's plenty of famous MPs I worked with. Did you ever... um, So you said you were there for the Queen Mum's death. Have you ever cooked for royalty? Um, obviously, there's state opening every year. Mm-hmm. Um, even here, we have um, some royal members that are associated to the inn. So, yeah, we do cook for the, the royals a few times. But, yeah, it's just part of the job now. They're yeah. just someone the same as anyone else. Yeah. 
I guess the pressure is must must be a little bit different. You must feel like a lot is on the line when you're doing that. Uh, for me, no. It's it's the same. However, I'm quick for. I always want to make sure it's the best I can do, the best the team can do. So whether it's Joe Boggs off the street or the Queen, it's the same to us. Quintuple check your allergens, though. You don't want to kill the Queen. No. Nope. <laughs> I've always been quite hot on the allergens. <laughs> that's one thing the House of Commons were very good on. It was, And that's what's drummed into me. That's what I drum into my guys here. It's all the allergens. Even before it was an EU standard, we were doing them. Um, you know, the way the House of Commons always used to be was they used to make the laws and rules. So they wanted to be not just equaling it, but above and beyond what yeah. needed to be done. Okay, and so after that, you decided to make a move and come here. What motivated that move? So, like I said, I was there for nearly 12 years at the House Commons. Yeah. It was, there's some people there that left from school and are still there now. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a case of, well, do I want to be here for the rest of my life or do I need to make a move? I, at the time as well, went for a promotion, didn't quite get it. The other chef got it just above me, so I thought, well, now's the time to move on and change and go somewhere else. But even in your time there, you there there is career progression. Yeah, there was career yeah. progression with the younger sides. When you start getting up to sous chef and above, literally, like I said, people were there from day one when they left college and still there now. So you had to wait for someone to leave. Yeah. So it was quite hard. <laughs> Slow when you got up to the top. Yeah. And did you when you joined here, what position did you join as? I joined here as sous chef mm-hmm. and then the head chef left. I think it was probably a year into my time here. And then I went for the position and got it. Great. So what is the... Tell me a little bit about the food offering here. On on a day-to-day, what is the bulk of what you do? The bulk of what we do here. Um, So, like I said, we feed lunch servings for the hall and canteen staff, which is the same menu. Mm -hmm. So that can range from fish and chips to duck with lentil stew. You know, we try and follow the seasons and the seasonality and the, what the temperature is outside of what we've got on the menus but yeah it's a good choice it's a good food offering for both the hall and staff which staff get very looked after and then yeah we do banquets and like i said that can be anything from a party of seven what could be a fine wine dinner which will be a simple food to a four maybe six course fine dining banqueting job for 200 and do you get to exercise a little bit of creative freedom, or do you uh, on a on a do you have like an on an annual basis? You'll tend to revolve around the same sorts of dishes that are recurring, like you were saying, fish and chips and things that come back. Or is it that you can create new dishes and add those? So when I first come here, they were trying to do like the luncheon hall and the star food as a four week cycle thing. Mm-hmm. I threw that rule book out and just let the guys come up with every week's a new menu. Obviously, the favourites fish and chips will always come back on <laughs> Friday. But, yeah, the guys can come up and be creative as they want. And every week's a different menu. And if they want to put something back on because they're struggling, they can. But each week they always surprise me and come up with something great. Great. And what's your input in that process? Is, do you still uh, design any menus? Um, so what I tend to do, the lunch team look after themselves. Mm-hmm. I will just oversee the menu every week when it comes in. Nine out of ten times, I can just pass on. It'll be fine. Um, with the private side of the banks in menu, we have two. We have spring and summer menu, autumn yeah. winter summer menu. Yeah. That changes every year. And then a lot of our work is for students and for benches. And they'll just come up and say, right, we want a World War One dinner anniversary on a certain date. 
we want it five courses and then we'll come up with a menu they're happy with so yeah there's a lot of scope for freedom a lot of scope to change lots of menus and I try and encourage the whole team to get involved in the process you know I don't want to be a dictator and mm -hmm. tell people what to do I like to cr let people create their own dishes and have their own flair and I always feel with the staff have got input into the menus and I think they'll put more time and more effort into the food and they're learning what they want to do as well yeah and when it comes to your own your own style and the things that you enjoy to cook what how would you define that and and can you name maybe three ingredients and dishes that are on the menu at the moment that reflect your own style and personality and um, so like I said I've all of my guys, which I drum into, it's all about the seasonality. Mm -hmm. We Obviously, everyone's got all their WhatsApp groups now, but we have our own kitchen one. We have ones mm -hmm. with all the suppliers. Mm -hmm. We're all on the chat all the time, and we'll just be asking them what's in season. You know, sometimes, even if it's meant to be in season, if it's a bad thing in Spain, like with the weather at the moment, obviously, we might have to change on where we're getting some produce from. But we'll always speak to them. We'll always chat to them and find out what's going on. So I think it was last week we spoke to the guys, and they said cow's very good at the moment, so we've got cow on the menu. They said blood orange um, from Spain are still very good, so we've got them on. We've got rhubarb from Yorkshire, um, lemon soles from Cornwall, um, pork from East Angler. So, like I say, all through the suppliers, we're always asking what's good and what we can be using. Great. And um, we're going to do a little bit of filming in the kitchen in a little while. Can you talk to me about the dishes that we're going to prepare? Um, so, yeah, we'll have a blood orange and rhubarb dessert mm -hmm. um, we'll do the lemon sole dish up and the pork dish probably with the cow so you get to see the cow what we've got on um, the way we sort of cook here is sort of there's two schools of thought for me I like I thought I grew up in the right time because mm -hmm. you've got some younger people that only you want to use the Cliftons all the new modern technology you've obviously got the old school chefs that still just want to put everything through the ovens I think when I sort of come about I think Heston was just coming onto the big scene and getting yeah. known and I sort of got to see both sides of everything I've got the classic side and the modern side and now I can sort of pick and choose which ones I feel is correct and the best way to go so I sort of tell the guys other ways of doing things they'll try it and we use the best cooking technique for what's right brilliant and do you still do you still look through old cookbooks and how do you how do you get inspiration for how do I um I've been very lucky my White's a chef, we both met at the House of Commons, and we all travelled the world just to eat at restaurants. So we've been all the way to California and at the French Laundry, been to Chicago and eaten at Linear, you know, the Fat Duck, Lock Hume. Amazing, that's quite the list. We've got, it's an endless list, but like I said, I was lucky and married a chef that's really into their food. <laughs> so yeah, I go to all these places, eat their food, and I'll come back and you sort of know what's different chefs have their own sort of way of playing up. Mm -hmm. You see what's in fashion. No, the guys here are very good at going away and doing stages as well so yeah we all come back together like I said where we've got so much freedom we can come up with dishes every week we can try something in the canteen we can try something in the staff hall we can then progress it to go into the brasserie if it's a dish that needs to be simplified for the banks and we can put it on there everyone gets involved and it's just a continuous development of dishes yeah and so be it in the house of commons or here I think, in, in my mind at least, you kind of imagine sort of classic diner, someone that expects traditional dishes, but have you, in your past two jobs, 
noticed a shift even here in the way that people in people's uh, expectations of food in terms of whether it's sustainable whether there's more plant-based things do you think that the trends that apply uh to the general you know general public restaurants apply in the same way here um yes uh we've definitely with our banqueting now we're getting many many more people now asking about what we do is our food locally sourced is it you know an endless list so there's definitely an improvement now like i said we are we're just setting up our own like crs company sort of now and we're looking to see where energy efficiencies we're making we're changing suppliers for better suppliers for the environment trying to source more locally food um we're trying to get our own brochure about because we do 101 good things already but we just don't sell it to everyone so we're, we're making sure we're getting better on that now um and with the traditional stuff, yeah, we still get some of the really old gentlemen, same as the House of Commons, that want to come in and just have their spotted dick for lunch. They love a prawn cocktail, but it's choosing the right menus to give it on. So we'll do yeah. a Sunday roast every day, every week, for the people to come for the chapel service. And on there, it could be the classic smoked salmon, the classic prawn cocktail. But then if they've got a nice fine five-course dining job on... We might put the prawn cocktail on and call it that, but reinvent it slightly and yeah. change it and put a modern twist on it. And that's, I enjoy that more, using the classic way. But when it gets on the plate, they think, oh, that wasn't what I was expecting, but they still love it and always give us lots of praise for it. Have you ever been shouted at by a barrister? Luckily, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we have a few that are very opinionated, but luckily, being the back of the house, we don't get to see it too much. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Okay, um, so can you talk to me about um, going back to your own cooking style? Theoretically, in a world where you worked for yourself, what food would you cook? Um, it would have to be seasonal, have to be fresh. Yeah. I don't like to... If you're using a really good and quality ingredient, you don't need to play around with it too much. You just let the ingredient do the work and the talking. And I'll... I pretty much like the same as Lockyum and Satbane's, letting it fall on the plate, not too precise and neat where it's going. It's mm-hmm. just fallen. I yeah. think it's a quite modern way of doing it, and I quite like it. And also, at the moment, my wife got me a big green egg for Christmas. Awesome. So I am cooking lots of nice joints on there for 10, 12 hours or overnight, and that's what I'm really enjoying at the moment. Nice. So you base, uh, do you live outside of London or...? Yeah, I'm actually in Kent now. Yeah. I used to live in Essex and now I've moved to Kent and I actually live on my ex-farm. Lovely. So you, even commuting to, to London to work, you've got time to cook in your own spare time? Yeah, Very it's nice. good. It's got the weekends off. I get the whole of summer off as well, so the whole month of August we're off. So, yeah, I plan on to do a lot of cooking then. Lovely. And where do you eat out when you mentioned travelling the world to eat in great restaurants, but where do you eat out at the moment in the in the UK? So I, normally everyone's on Instagram at the moment, so we're looking at all like the top ten pubs, gastro pubs. So we've eaten at the Fulham Arms, is it Fulham Arms, Herwood Arms. Um, obviously, as I said we've just moved, recently moved to Kent, so we're eating all over Kent at the moment. I think we've booked in the restaurant called Stark, which is a ten seat restaurant mm-hmm. in Broadstairs. Yeah. So we're going there in two weeks' time. But yeah, we're always eating out together. Like I said, it's for us. It's seeing other people's ideas, and then bring them back into work and seeing what we can do with them. Yeah. It's great to get around and see what's happening in kitchens. I think a lot of chefs tell us that they don't, they don't have the time to go out and, and taste chef- other people's food, which seems like a shame. It is a big shame, but like I said, I've got some friends in these Michelin-style restaurants that work a lot of hours, so I can fully understand it. Yeah. And one day off, they're just sleeping. Yeah. Um, 
and having a, a wife working in hospitality as well, how does that impact your family life and how easy is it for you both to have a good balance in that way? And especially since you moved, because I suppose you were working in reasonably close quarters before, but now you work separately. So do you get to see each other enough? Uh, we're both quite lucky now, so we both head chefs of where we work, so we can sort of manipulate the roads to suit us. Um, we both predominantly work Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's predominantly earlies as well. And then if the banketings are on now, we might miss each other a couple of nights in a week. And then, as I've got a team of like 17 chefs, we all take it in turns to work the weekend, so... We're not working every weekend anymore, so it's always nice. Um, Have you ever been tempted by the idea of having your own restaurant or working working for an independent restaurant, or is that something that now that you've got this job and that you've been here for as long as you have, you wouldn't consider? I'd always consider it. I think my path took me in a different way. I've sort of got to the House of Commons and I got used to working for sort of these places that don't really have a budget on food it's mm-hmm. you know we've got so much flexibility what I've always enjoyed as well is having the young guys come in and teach and train and you go to these independent restaurants you know you're cooking the same thing all the time once yeah. you've learned it what else do you do and I think that's I see both sides of the restaurant world where you've got people that's a year two years in one place then move on yeah. whereas here you could and the house commons you could be there for so long but you've got 12 different restaurants you can work in like here we've got so many different styles of food so you're always learning and like I said it's like starting a new job when you move sections anyway yes and you mentioned well there's the learning aspect but there's the teaching aspect as well because you oversee quite big teams and you you get to train people how much of that how much of that is your job and you know what makes that enjoyable to you None of it is my job. It's just something I always wanted and loved to do. It's yeah. like when I was at the House of Commons, I was quite involved in doing competitions. Um, once I got better at them, started winning some, not losing some, yeah. but yeah. I'd take on some of the guys and do their, be a mentor for them to do the competitions. And you know, just them passing or winning felt just as good as winning yourself back in the day as well. And it was just nice to see eager young people in, coming into the catering world and training them up. Yeah. So remind us, you won the London Chef of the Year, the Craft Guild. What other awards did you win? Oh, I've got to National Chef Finals a couple of times. That was always good. Got to the MCA final. Um, we've entered into Hotel Olympia and won gold. We've done the Grand Prix one year, which was a big team where we'd do the Parade the Chefs. You had the Aspect Works, some people done, and we won the big Grand Prix of all of that. Um, the annual awards of excellence are passed back in the day. And then, yeah, it's training the young guys to do the graduates' awards and getting them passed. Brilliant. Does there come a point in your career where you don't really take part? Because I know a lot of them have age cutoffs, but is, does there come a point where you just decide, that's it, I don't really want to take part in competitions, I'm tired, it's <laughs> enough pressure? Um, I was toying with doing the MCR when that come available again, That because yeah. that's every four years. But, yeah, we was just going through the redevelopment work here, snagging planning sitting in the offices for three hours talking about how the kitchen was going to be so you know, I had to pull out mm. and my wife would tell you as well that she hates the stress of me coming home doing the work and the work time coming home and practicing the yeah. mess of the kitchen she was never enjoying well, surely she helps though <laughs> she helps and enjoys eating the food but she doesn't enjoy the stressful side of me there fair enough fair enough um so have you got any guys in the kitchen at the moment taking part in anything 
Um, we haven't at the moment. We've um, had two of them that done the wing yip mm-hmm. chef competition. One of them won it, and one come runner up one year. Um, but like you said, it's the age group. We haven't got many young people in at the moment. Um, it's just something we would like to look forward to trying to get more commies involved into this kitchen if the business grew and we could f- fill the spaces. Mm. But yes, yeah, it's, it's early days, and we're just trying to see it. Yeah. So you're you're just settling back in after the after the refurb, and working with a, a core team like you've got. What what are the difficulties posed for you in terms of finding young chefs to join the kitchen, and what in the in the next few months do you think that that's going to be something that's going to come organically with um, it getting busier, or is it something that here you're going to struggle with? Do you think? Um, the plan is. You know, we get busier, we're going to need extra help and I'd rather backfill with younger staff so it's the natural progression's there and mm-hmm. then if people left they can go up the ladder. Um, I'd like to get involved with some of the colleges maybe and get some work experience people in yeah. on the stages or whatever needs to be done. But yeah, like you said, it's we're just at that funny stage at the moment where we've just got to wait for the new business to pick up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it anyway. So... Um what would your restaurant be if you were to open your own restaurant? My restaurant, what would it be? Um, in a theoretical... In a theoretical, world. magical world. Yeah. Um, the way I like to eat and the way I'd like other people to eat is just small portions of food, mm-hmm. you know, lots of little snack bits to start off with, and then more family-style for the main course. I sort of quite like the interaction and talking. Um, yeah, but then just locally sourced and not a massive restaurant because you can get too big and then you lose that personal touch as well. Yeah. It's just trying to find a balance. Yeah. And what do you think about restaurants, the idea of having a restaurant in London or would you do something outside of London? Um, I would like to do it outside of London if I was to do it. I think London is just so costly. There's so much money involved with it. You'd need so much money just to even get it up and started. And then you've got... You know, you could be still a good restaurant, but you could fall just on the financial sides. It's, mm. it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And, you know, I put my hands up for those that make it and feel sorry for those that don't, even if it's no fault of their own there. Yeah. At least they're trying. Yeah. So that's not on the cards here for you at the moment, but what, what do you see as the future for you now? Um, like I said, I've got a project I'd like to finish off here first. Um... My wife would love to open up a coffee shop and then if that grew organically and made something bigger out of that, maybe that's something we could get into together. But it's just early days and we've just had a little inside. Oh, lovely. Got to see what happens. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time and we're really looking forward to getting into the kitchen and having a look at the, the food that you prepare here and um, talking to the guys in the kitchen. So thanks nice. a lot. Cheers. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this interview and if you have any comments, feel free to tweet us or comment on the post. Uh, We're making all of our interviews available to download. And finally, if you like what we do, whether it's our podcast or our videos or even our features, please head over to our Patreon page and support us there. This episode of Grilled is sponsored by Rationale, your leading provider in multifunctional hot food preparation equipment. Register now for a free Rationale live demo at www.rationale-online.com.